Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 214 for November 19th, 2021. On today's show, fellow van dweller Rania Hannon. You can support this show by becoming a member at patreon.com slash vanarchism. Why would you do that? Well, you'll get early access to every episode. You'll get a monthly bonus episode. Plus, at various levels, you get travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Again, just go to patreon.com slash vanarchism to become a member today. This week's Patreon supporter of note is my friend Tanine. I've known her since we were both exchange students in Japan back in the 19th century. I'm recording this intro in the parking lot of a Barnes & Noble in Pittsford, New York. Uh, it's a suburb of Rochester, New York. My sister lives not too far from here, and on the day this episode is released to the general public on Friday the 19th, I am supposed to be going to visit her, which I will be doing. However, I decided to come up here on Monday of the same week without telling her so she wouldn't feel any obligation to house me, and just spend a week in this area as a tourist or a nomad. I used to live in this area, and I've spent a ton of time here, but it's been really interesting sightseeing and visiting places that I've... I guess I've been before, but seeing them through new eyes. Also, it's been interesting having to find a place to sleep each night, whether that's stealth parking or finding a, a an approved spot. When I lived here, obviously, I had a home to go to, and this has been a whole different experience of this region, but it's been really fun. Next week, I move on to the Albany area, where I'll be house-sitting for my cousins for about a week, and then back down to Pennsylvania for the day after Thanksgiving to have a one-day-late Thanksgiving celebration with my family, my co-parent, and my kids. Let's dive into this week's interview with another person who has to find interesting places to sleep each night, Rania Hannon. Rania Hannon, welcome to A Brief Chat. Thank you so much. I was, um, as I was driving to my spot that I was coming to for service, I was laughing to myself thinking about how it was like, kind of hard to schedule this. And I was just thinking about like, what is it like for fucking important people? <laughs> they have so much going on in their lives. Like, what am I doing where like three different times it didn't work out? Like me? What? It makes no sense. Yeah, I will say I have interviewed like, you know, Grammy winners and Oscar winners and governors and stuff like that. And I did have a harder <laughs> time getting a hold of you than a lot of those people. So it, it could just be the <laughs> the combination of two Van Dwellers lifestyles that makes this harder than it would otherwise I be. Will- I will say it is really hard to plan when you're a van person. It is so hard, you know, like picking Thursday at five o'clock. I had no clue where I was going to be. Um, but I also, maybe it's just a fake it till you make it thing. If I act like a, an, an important person, it might just start to happen. Yeah. Oh no, I'm definitely, I'm manifesting that same energy into my life uh, every single day. Yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I, yeah. Am, I am completely yeah. uh, creating through the use of social media a uh, person who does not exist in the hopes that at some point he might. We'll, and we'll just see what happens. So. He will. I can feel it. I'll manifest that for you as well. Can you can you manifest for others? <laughs> I don't know, because if I'm being honest, I'm reasonably unconvinced that you can manifest for yourself. And I'm only basing that on my 48 year track record. Um, right. But that seems like a decent amount of data, right? Like that's longer than you'd run the average clinical trial. So, I mean, I feel sure. like that's pretty oh, that's, that's pretty good. And so far it hasn't worked. So, but however, maybe okay. I should yeah. just start trying to manifest like for you 
and I'll find out that actually the you problem know? is you just can't turn the energy on yourself, but you can give it to other people. Uh, I be would here. be happy. Uh, sorry, what'd you say? I said, we could be onto something here, like a manifest exchange where people do it for each yeah. other. I would be happy to write up some sort of agreement, potentially even get it notarized, where we <laughs> say we are going to manifest for one another. It really, because, yeah, 48 years, 38 years, it's not a clinical trial. We don't have a control group, but it's anecdotal evidence, and that stands for something. It's certain, and, you know, In this day and age, it stands for pretty much everything, so I, I feel quite comfortable. Th that's such a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Yes, yes. <laughs> So I invited yep. you on the show uh, because you, like me, live in a van. In fact, we moved into vans one month apart, just about. Um, you just celebrated a year, and I'm about to. And you have had a, at least, uh, we don't know each other really very much at all. We just know each other kind of online in the way that many people in the van life community kind of brush up against one another online. So I don't have any particular insight into your into your life other than what I see online. And, uh, but from that, I have pieced together, maybe inaccurately, that I think we have lived fairly different van lives in the last year. A big part of that is that in my case, I stopped in one place for five months, and that I, I don't get the impression that that's been true for you. But I wanted to uh, just kind of take it back to the start. And I guess ask the most obvious question first, which is what caused you to make the decision to move into a van? Yeah, so I agree. I have never stayed anywhere, I think, longer than a week. Um, and I, 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 lo I love what you do where you really get to immerse yourself in a place. And on the one hand, I want that. But on the other, I know this is pretty temporary for me. So I've kind of been zooming around. Um, but I got into van life because I was looking at apartments right when COVID hit, um, looking at them in New York. And, you know, over the course of a couple of months, realized, okay, that's definitely not happening. And, you know, I thought about, okay, well, what are some of my other goals that I've had? And I haven't really had a lot. <laughs> Something I should work on. My parents remind me a lot. <laughs> but one goal that I've always had is to live in an RV and travel across the country. I didn't know that, like, it was something I could do while I'm still youngish. I didn't know that a van was an option. So I started to do a bunch of research and, like, pretty quickly decided, you know what? Hell yeah, I'm going to do this. And it was really scary at first because I was in a relationship. Um, and then it also, and I knew this person, he wouldn't be able to come with me. Um, but it also at the same time hit me, you know, I have been in a relationship my entire adult life. I was with my first boyfriend from 16 to 27, started dating somebody else long-term just a few months after that. Um, so I, you know, I, I've just been afraid to be totally on my own. And I guess living in a van, separating yourself from <laughs> boys is a very extreme way to jump in, but that's what I did. So that's a big part of it. And it's been, it's, the van has actually played a really important role in helping me learn about myself, which I know is why probably most people end up in a van when it's a choice. Yeah, you know, that that's interesting, that, that point about self-discovery, because I, like, I would say about myself that a huge part of my adulthood, I have, I have reset it so many times that I feel like it's a constant journey of self-discovery, and yet moving into a van is a whole different kind of that. It's, it's, it is kind of... Uh, at least in my experience, it is 
both isolating and community building. It is terrifying and empowering. It's like, it's so many things kind of ramped way up, at least has been my experience. I'm curious if you've, if you've had a similar kind of emotional journey where that's concerned. Oh, I totally agree. All emotions are amplified. You know, I've never, back when I lived in the house, I never started sobbing when I broke a dish, you know, like that was a new (laughs) thing. Everything is just so much. Everything is so much. You are making decisions constantly and it can get exhausting. You are like on high alert all the time, never like fully off guard. Um, it's, it's intense. It's really intense. And like, you know, going back to having to make so many decisions, you also have to be aware all the time of like, when do I dump my toilet? When do I dump my gray water? Where can I get water today? You know, there was one time when I was um, really sick and I was at this beautiful spot that was like 20 minute drive from town. Um, and it was a bumpy road, whatever. And I had a fever and I was like, I'm just going to wait it out here. And then I realized I was completely out of water. So I had to drive back into town to get water. And I was just like, this is horrible. (laughs) This is the worst thing, you know, like even the luxuries of being able to just sprawl out on a couch and be a baby while being sick. That was just, that was just gone. So everything is, is more, but say what probably everyone says, you know, the highs are a higher high as well. Does that make sense? A higher high? I think so. Yeah. It works for me. I, I, yeah. It ma- makes sense in the context of this conversation and I think actually just in English. Um, also, one thing I, sh- I should definitely <laughs> say that there are going to be dramatic differences in our experiences just based on the fact that I live in a van as a cis straight white man and you live in a van as not that. And that in and of itself that brings to the table all kinds of experiences I haven't had to deal with from the actual, you know, kind of physical, tangible experiences of being out there in the world. But also, and I've seen this a lot, I've seen you make a lot of comments about this in the kinds of comments you get from people. I certainly have gotten value judgments from people on my lifestyle choices based on my decision to live in a van. But I don't think I get the same kind of judgments that you get and i'm guessing probably you know many other people who are in your demographic get i'd be curious just you know to to hear you talk about that a little about the kinds of things that that people assume about you or you know explain to you because you're uh, a solo yeah. <laughs> woman living in a van i get it from multiple different angles i get it from men i get it from other van lifers who think that they're doing it better or how it should be. I get it from people who say I would never do that. And I get it from my family who for the most part, from as far as most members go are pretty unsupportive. So I, I have a lot of it coming from different angles, um, which I think is part of why things are so much harder in the van when things are hard, because then you're just like, Oh, see, they were right. They were right all along. And then, you know, on the good days you realize like, Fuck no, they weren't. But um, yeah, from from dudes, I have gotten uh, just some wild, wacky things. Just so ridiculous. Um, I know one time I uh, was in Olympic National Park and a deer came out in the street right in front of me and I had to break suddenly. And I it broke. I have a very heavy fridge and it broke the two latches, actually, that hold the fridge into the into the cabinet. Um, So I had to have my friend sit in front of the cabinet, just have his back against it, hold it in place while we drove 
frantically to the nearest Ace Hardware or whatever. And then while I was waiting to find the door latch that I needed specifically, um, this gentleman said, uh, you look confused. And I didn't punch him, but I wanted to. Uh, and then the cashier said something similar. It was just like, can I help you? Everyone talked in this accent, but this was like Oregon. So I don't know why they have this accent, um, but it just fit. And uh, it, it just made me so, so angry. And then I ended up like asking him, you know, is this part here? Whatever it wasn't. And then the guy, as I was getting in my van was like, you know, next time, maybe don't slam your brakes so hard. And it's just like, what? What? What is your what is your advice right now, bro? Like you want me to just what? Yeah, next time so just hit whatever so is mad. in front of your van. Yeah, right. And I know you have experience. You hit a moose, and it didn't. I mean, do you feel that that was the best solution? Like, no, that was not my preferred uh, outcome. And I did hit my brakes right. really hard. Ah, uh, see, that was your first problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, sounds like it's on you. Yeah, I, I think. Uh. So. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about that anyone who has followed you, uh, and by the way, links to uh, follow Rania will be in the show notes of this episode. But anyone who's followed you for any length of time will have seen a, at least one and probably multiple photos of you kind of like wistfully looking back, holding out a severed limb. And it's it's one of the things that first caught my eye when I learned that you existed. Uh, and it's just it's a it's a brilliant commentary on everything you've just been talking about. So would you just would you say something about the severed hand? Yeah, it honestly, it didn't start as a way to say like, oh, my God, fuck you to so many people. But it kind of morphed into that. Um, it started originally. Actually, I I love it for the purposes of when dudes DM me and are like, do you have room for two in your van? LOL. I love it for those purposes. But again, it didn't start out that way. It started, it was used in a sketch that I wrote that was filmed uh, back home in Detroit. And you know what? I'm going to backtrack. I'm not from Detroit. I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm trying to sound cool. Like, oh, I'm from Detroit. I'm not. I'm from a suburb. So just kidding. But <laughs> wow. I just wanted to say that. Is, I just needed that, to is, that was the head. most imposter syndrome moment related to Detroit that I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I am not cool. You may no. have just pioneered the idea of Detroit imposter syndrome, actually. I'm not really sure that's a thing I, that existed before be. this moment right now. Well, I'm glad it exists now. People, you should move to Detroit so you can feel insecure just like me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, oh, so it started as something that uh, was used for something that was filmed that I wrote. And then it, uh, one day my mom had said something. This was like pre-van life. I had talked about how I wanted to like travel solo somewhere. And she said I wanted to, I should wait till I'm married to do it. And then it kind of all, all the pieces fell into place. So um, my boyfriend at the time, who was very good humored about it, took me and we did like a little photo shoot in Ann Arbor where I was living at the time, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, so n- now it's just a, a fun thing to just, you know, I'm t- it's really fun to just go take selfies in great places. And it's not me by myself and it's not me looking off into the distance. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um it's been a, it's a bun, been a fun way to do it and to make people uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, my goal is to find a couple one day that is actually in the middle of doing it because that's where those originated. I, I don't know if you've seen them, but it's like the follow me pictures that were really popular for a while. Um, yeah, so it's it's mocking those as well. But um, 
my my goal is to find a couple doing it one day and then do it right next to them. <laughs> oh my god. That's, that I that am manifesting. That yeah. I am manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the one thing I'm gonna get. <laughs> That's fabulous. Thanks, universe. So we haven't been talking very long and your mom has already come up a bunch of times. And as a uh, a person who <laughs> no longer even speaks to his own parents, who may or may not know that I live in a van, uh, but would not be surprised to learn that this is where my life is at. Um, I I get the sense from a little bit of private conversation that we've had that we, you know, we kind of share some of that tension in common with with our parents. Um, and you also are uh, the daughter of uh at least an immigrant. I don't know if both of your parents immigrated to the United States. Both. Both. Okay. And so uh, at the risk of stereotyping, there's, you know, there's kind of the classic like immigrant parent stereotype is that we, we would really like our, our child to excel, you know, the level of that our life got to, because that's the whole reason that we did all of the hard things that were required to get here in the first place. And obviously not immigrant stories are not a monolith. Immigrant parents are not a monolith and the children of immigrants are not monoliths. So there's a lot of nuance inside there, but I do get the impression from the things that you've said publicly quite a few times and a little bit of our private conversation that, uh, Hey mom, I'm moving into a van. Didn't necessarily go over great in the Hannon household. Um, yeah, everything that you said is accurate for my family and my experience, at least. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of guilt and shame around it where it's like, ah, you know, they did work so hard to make this happen. They did. You know, my parents were super poor growing up. Like my mom has, I think, nine or 10 brothers and sisters. So many I don't even fucking remember. And they all shared like a one bedroom apartment in a very like poor developing neighborhood. And, uh, you know, they worked so hard to make it happen to come here. Um, and they did it. And, you know, they're, they're a very successful story. And so, yeah, sometimes I think about all the stuff they did. And then I just, like, look at myself, like, you know, journaling by a river, trying to figure out who I am. Just like, ugh, what are you doing? This isn't what they wanted you to do. But as I get older, the more and more I'm learning, you know, you live your life for yourself. But um, for a long time, I struggled with that where it was just like, you know, what they wanted for me was to either become a doctor or to marry a doctor, frankly, um, or some something that was, uh, quote unquote, uh, prestigious or, you know, considered a traditional successful person, uh, whatever that means to them, which I guess I can tell you, it means doctor, lawyer, engineer. And um, that didn't happen. I have three older sisters and that didn't happen with any of them either, but they kind of all followed the more traditional path where they did marry successful people. And one of my sisters, uh, she runs a business and is a badass. My other sisters are badasses too, but I really struggled for a long time with it. And then, you know, for a minute there uh, in undergrad, I almost went pre-med for a quick second. And then I got like a 3.8 in my bio class and I was trying really hard. And uh, 3.8 is good. Sorry, sorry. 2.8. Which is that bad? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. I don't know what's required to get into medical school in your biology class, but it's certainly not a bad grade. Might be a bad <laughs> grade by the standard of parents who want you to do extremely well. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I had one of those traditional immigrant dads where like you would come home and be like, "Look, dad, I got an A." And he'd be like, "Why not A plus?" Like one of those situations <laughs> every single time. So, yeah, like a 2.8 was just, oh, what? What is, you can't even show that to him. So, yeah, it, it's always been a struggle. And like living in a van, it just makes no sense 
to my family because you think about it, you go from a tiny one bedroom apartment and then you work your way up the middle class traditional ladder and, you know, you eventually have a nice house and, you know, like fancy cars. So to go from that to like living in your car is just like so confusing to my family. And I try really hard to under like to put myself in their shoes, but, um, and my mom, you know, is is honestly kind of embarrassed of it. I think she just looks down on it as, again, like, you're, you're why, why are you living in your car? So, like, for example, I'm meeting one of her friend's uh, kids in a couple of weeks. And she, before uh, we got off the phone, she was telling me, like, just don't say that you're, uh, you live in your van. Just please don't say that. And, you know, that was a little bit of a bummer to hear that because it's just like, that's a, that's a big part of my life right now. Yeah, you know, how are you, you not going to say that? This, Right. I, when I jump out of my van to go meet him, right. I'm going to exactly. be like, sorry, cargo truck, cargo truck emergency. Like, yeah. I don't know. Unless he asks you so, no questions, which, you know, with right. a, a, a man growing up in the United States is quite possible, actually, in that in a social situation. Amen. But but unless he asks you zero <laughs> questions about your life, it's going to be very hard not to mention right. the thing you do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> yes, Exactly. It, I really struggled with it in, in the beginning as far as talking about the van specifically because um, it was just more of like what I had experienced in middle school and high school and then undergrad. And then I think now that I'm living in a van, though, things have kind of every so often they crop back up, but things have in a way chilled out a little bit more because I kind of and I'm not even being funny. I kind of do think my mom is just like, OK, she's beyond hope. Like, <laughs> I am not going to be able to do anything about this one. So I'm just going to leave it. And, you yeah, know, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Take a take a detente, at least if you can get it at the <laughs> at the beginning of this interview, you mentioned that you uh, knew going into this that van life was going to be a temporary situation for you. Do you have some some end in sight or some way to know when it's coming to an end, or are you just you just going till you feel like okay, it's time to do the next thing now? It's been weird. I I feel a pull to sort of be making moves and like I feel I have a lot of shoulds of like I should be working towards my dreams in New York or L.A. I should be you know, do, doing way more writing, this kind of stuff, which you can do writing from everywhere. And that's the thing that always reassures me that I can stay in the van for a little bit longer. But um, my goals that I want do require me to be in a certain place. And I have been struggling with like, okay, when is the right time to go for that? Um, but now it doesn't feel like the right time. I don't know if it'll ever feel like the right time. So right now I'm honestly just basing it off of like, when does this stop being fun? When am I, when am I just, not enjoying you know I don't know that I'll ever get to the point where I'm no longer enjoying meeting awesome people and like the community building and the self-discovery all that um so I'm just going to kind of wait until a better option arises and if it doesn't I just will drive off a cliff the Thelma and Louise ending that all van lifers secretly hope for I think yes exactly um we're getting close to the end um but as as we wrap up given that uh, j this again is going to be a, a very Sherlock Holmes style leap based on s very scant information. Uh, but based on the two cities you just named and the very few things that I have seen that caused me to think this, um, is one of the things you're interested in pursuing like a, a comedic performing career of some kind? Cause it seems like something you've been into and those two cities would be good places to do that. And you can tell me if I'm totally off. Uh, writing. I would love to be a comedy writer so much. Um, 
Yes. And then, yeah, those are the two places where I think that would be the best way to thrive. Uh, being in a van, I've been trying to do like my own thing, you know, making videos. And that's been nice to just sort of have the creative flow again, because I did nothing for a long time. But um, yeah, back home in Michigan, I did improv and uh, like sketch, like for both writing and performing. And I loved it so much. So yeah, writing is just that being a TV writer absolute dream job something I would love to at least try because I I think for the longest time I thought I could never live in a van there's no way I could do that and that's my thought process now with like becoming a tv writer so it's just like you did you did one thing you might be able to do the other at least try yeah and I'm a super harsh critic of comedy and uh, particularly of like people making uh funny and I'm using the largest set of quotation marks ever fonted um funny instagram videos and uh you genuinely always make me laugh um yeah so i i wish you all the best in that because uh i i do think you have real talent thank you i really appreciate that what is something you don't like about me jason oh no when uh when this interview goes out there'll have been a half hour intro that's just me and i've got a big <laughs> list of stuff for that yeah oh yeah don't worry no you'll <laughs> You'll have been okay. put quite solidly in your place before your voice is ever heard on this podcast. I would love to have a side by side. Like, I'll, I want a list of what you wrote and a list of what I have. I bet there will be a lot of matches. I bet you a million bucks. So, would you tell people, uh, and again, this will be in the show notes, but will you tell folks uh, how to find you online if they want to follow your adventures? Yeah. Um, so, on both Instagram and TikTok, which I just recently started using, I am. <laughs> big country but okay so it's supposed to the v is a okay hold on let me explain this better big c v n t r y is how it's spelled the v is supposed to be a u do you get it Cunt, I, yes. country not only do i get it yeah. but i so wanted you to have to explain it because i've already said it was, twice it's going to be in the show notes but i just wanted you to say out loud what your username <laughs> was just so i could hear how you were going to tell people <laughs> to spell your username. and it was very convoluted the way that all came out it was not easy so like uh, yeah imagine instagram is supposed to be that you look at it really quick you get it so the fact that the person who made it took Five hours to explain it. That's not a great sign. <laughs> Five hours but to explain that, that it's a it dirty is. joke for Romans, essentially. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Big C5 entry. Yeah. Well, and like is if you see five like... in Roman numerals? Oh, yeah, it is five. But I mean, also U's were okay. written as V's in that Oh, dirt, 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 Yes, yes. But yeah, it's a V instead of a U because Instagram blocked it, which is stupid because you can say like, you could have a username with dick or penis. So, oh, wait, did you actually Jesus. try it first with a U? Oh, sh I sure did. No kidding. Oh, that's I tried it with, so beautiful. I tried it with a U, and I tried it with putting some numbers. I tried lots of variations <laughs> fucking underscores. <laughs> Nothing worked. Oh, that's Trust fabulous. Me, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy to learn that you arrived at the V. It wasn't your first choice because you tried just the straight no, out. No, it's sure... <laughs> I did everything except for start like an online petition. I really tried it all. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. I, I already respected you, but it's only getting better as uh, as the interview has gone <laughs> on. That's that's lovely. Well, uh, I encourage you, everyone who's listening um, to follow Rania, who is not only very, very funny, but also very honest. And, uh, you know, van life has a lot of and life in general has a lot of ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're very brave about 
putting the truth out there. I'm, I'm really happy that you've taken this time to uh, come out and talk with me. I thank you so much for doing it, and I hope we'll get a chance to talk again someday. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Brief Chat. You can support the show at patreon.com slash vanarchism. You'll get early access to every episode, a monthly bonus show, plus travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Thank you, and I'll talk to you again next week. Beep.